Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And it's a new month, so you know what time it is. It's time to get into a mailbag. And Gavin, we got a lot of people answering the call for this month's mailbag and lots of great questions to get into. Yeah, we are talking Emmanuel Quickly versus Jalen Brunson. Which star point guard has a higher upside for the New York Knicks? And then we're getting into which returning players we potentially wouldn't want on the team next year. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts and we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube we really appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine I'm Alex Wolf I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site the Strickland which you can find at the Strick.land he is Gavin Shaw your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster and we are getting into our mailbag questions and Gavin, we got a bunch this month. We probably got like a three-part episode out of this, or maybe more. I don't know. If you're listening to this and you didn't get a question yet, like you can go find the tweet and respond to it off Locked On Knicks at Locked On Knicks on Twitter. Uh, feel free to drop some questions. We'll keep answering them all month. I don't care. I love mailbag questions. Uh, but our first question, to not hold this up any further, comes from Nick at NickTess01 on Twitter. Uh, what archetype of player do you guys think is the best fit in the backcourt with Emmanuel quickly? I like Brunson, but think him and quick would be too undersized. And then we also have another question that was very similar. So we're going to put these two together uh, from Jordan Bub at Bub Jordan on Twitter, who has the most star potential between Jalen Brunson or Emmanuel quickly. If both are on the team next year, who'd you want a starter and who is the backup? Uh, Gavin, where do you fall on this hot button issue? Um, well, I'll, I'll start off with the, with the first one. Um, the first question, uh, I think Quentin Grimes is probably the best fit or, or, or the archetype of the best fit next to Emmanuel quickly, if he reaches his ceiling, which is a very big if, but you're looking at, again, uh, I'm not delusional. We're, we're talking about two of the greatest shooters of all time, the two greatest shooters of all time, two surefire hall of famers. So I don't want to directly compare them to Stephen Clay, but when you're talking about archetypes, when you're talking about molds, I think that is that is the visualization, right? You have this uh, guard who likes to shoot it from really far away and is jet quick uh, getting to the rim and who's a pretty good passer, right? And then what do you who do you slot next to that guy? You want a much bigger guard, may, maybe someone who's almost too big to be a two guard, um, who is a physical defender who can take on the better matchup of the two, regardless of position, whether it's a point guard or shooting guard, whoever the biggest threat in the backcourt and the other team, he can guard that guy who is also an elite three-point shooter. And I think most importantly, Alex, has the basketball savvy to understand how to fully leverage elite, um, not three-point shooting, but su- elite super deep. 
three-point shooting. And I think I, I was talking about this a little on Twitter today, but I think that's sort of the genius of the Warriors is they get all these guys who one just fit around Steph Curry, but two whose games are maximized by him in unique ways. Like, like someone like Gary Payton, the second who on most teams in the NBA, like he, he, I don't think he's a dramatically improved player this year. I think on most teams in the NBA, he's a guy who is sort of a deep bench player. You break in case of an emergency and maybe in a playoff series, if there's a star guard that you want to slow down for a quarter or half a quarter, but on the Warriors, he can be a regular guy because of the spacing that Steph provides. And in turn, Clay, like you don't really think of Clay as the main person who benefits from Steph, but in a lot of ways he does um, with his ability to operate off the ball and, and just to leverage the, the shooting and the space that Steph creates, not just with his own three-point shooting, but with back cuts. Like I, I, when, I, when I think of Clay, like I think one of the defining characteristics of his game is him just ducking into the rim in vast open space and getting easy dunks and layups for years and years and years. And to bring this back home, I think Grimes has that same type of savvy, whether it's cutting to the rim for a layup or, or cutting and making an extra pass off of it, or just roving off of screens. And when Steph slash quickly, in, in the Knicks case, is getting a lot of attention, being able to leverage that and get open and get open shots. Maybe a ridiculous analogy, again, because these are two relatively unproven guys in the NBA. There are very real questions if either of them is a long-term starter in the NBA, much less, uh, again, two all-time great players. But I will make that analogy, and I will say the fully realized version of Quentin Grimes, uh, short of obviously just getting a, a superstar shooting guard next to quickly, that, that is the type of player. That I want next to Emmanuel quickly. Gavin, what if what if quickly Brunson and Grimes turn into Steph Poole and Clay, though? Like that was both our minds blowing for those of you listening on podcast form. Um <laughs> can't rule it out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, if not Quentin Grimes, then a Quentin Grimes type player, but obviously a fully realized Quentin Grimes. If this year was any indication, I mean, I don't want to get too lofty, but we're talking about a guy that routinely did make like five, six, seven threes a game at times this year when he was really cooking. Uh, and, and this is a guy that we, that we and, and others like in the draft community and stuff had looked at initially, like from his tape last year and then in summer league and, and thought like, okay, his, his release is so, regimented you know and everything and was so geared towards the college three-point line like is it going to take a while for him to adjust and he still managed to put together the year that he did from three at NBA range as a rookie on top of all the fantastic like game-busting defense that he was offering so yeah I'm I'm with you in in that regard like I think if it's not Quentin Grimes someone in that same mold but like why not Quentin Grimes at that point um but you know to get to to Jordan's part of the question as far as Brunson and IQ and like we'll talk about Brunson more over these questions he's a hot button guy um who would who would I want as the starter in the backup I I actually think who I want versus who it would be kind of aligns at this point I mean I I I don't think there's any denying like Jalen Brunson really showed something in these playoffs like something that maybe we didn't all think was necessarily there um maybe we just weren't true believers or hadn't watched him enough on the Mavs but I don't know I maybe I'm Maybe I'm like wrongly speaking for you, Gavin, but I didn't think that Jalen Brunson had like a 45 point explosion in him or, you know, that I, he didn't score actually 45, but like 40 plus point games. You know what I mean? And he showed that during the postseason. And, you know, I, I don't think that's going to be like the norm for him or anything, but I think there is a world where he might be making like a Fred Van Vliet sort of turn where he could turn into like a consistent 20 plus point per game scorer 
uh, for this next phase of his career. And if that ends up being on the Knicks, like obviously he's going to start now that that kind of sucks for quickly. It's just like bad circumstances over and over for him where he keeps getting stuck behind someone. Uh, but I think if, if the Knicks go out there and they sign Brunson one way or another, like you gotta, you gotta start him. And so as much as in my heart of hearts, I would love to cook up some sort of scenario where quickly could start Brunson would come off the bench. I just don't think it's realistic. And I, I, I don't even know for sure that I would even want that. Like, I think if you're going to commit the money and the resources and everything else to Brunson, plus what he showed during this postseason, which I know postseasons aren't everything, but he had a great regular season to back it up to. Um, I, I think you got to start Brunson. And unfortunately, that means quickly off the bench. But to get back to like Nick's question a little bit, I don't think that those two playing together is like untenable or something. Um, I think that you can definitely still play those two together for 10 to 15 minutes a game. If Tibbs does that or not is a whole other question, but I think that they could work. Like if Derek Rosen quickly can work for stretches and be an overwhelming positive, or if Deuce and quickly can work together for, you know, long stretches, be an overwhelming positive, then so too can Brunson and quickly. And, and hopefully that would be something the Knicks would lean into. Yeah, I mean, look, J- Jalen Brunson, if he signs with the Knicks, he's not signing here to be a backup. He's signing here to be no. the dude, which he which he cannot be in Dallas, obviously. Um, to me, I mean, I think the more interesting part of that question is which one of them has more potential. And and again, I'll, I'll continue my my run of just blatant uh, Emmanuel quickly homerism, but I would I would argue quickly might have slightly slightly higher upside just because of his superior speed and his ability to shoot from super duper deep. And, and I don't want to say that Brunson is, is maxed out as a player because I mean, he's a guy who went literally from a year ago, like he, he was struggling to stay on the floor versus the Los Angeles Clippers to now a guy who averaged 28 points per game in a playoff series. So um, I would be a fool uh, to, to put, to put a ceiling on him, but I, I just think quickly's traits translate into a slightly higher ceiling. I think Brunson is immensely more likely to reach his ceiling than Emmanuel quickly. And I don't know whether that's, I, I think that's a guy who could make, like one or two or three all-star teams. I wouldn't say more than that, but who knows? I think the Fred Van Vliet comp, I think, I mean, I think I noted that a couple of pods back. I really, really like it. I think he is that type of dude, but I think he's even more efficient than Fred Van Vliet. He's not, not as good defensively, but just a, a craftier scorer and, and uh, someone with better touch inside the arc. Uh, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of his game. And uh, yeah, that's all I have to say on that. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know if there are odds out there, Alex, on, on which guy has the higher potential. There probably will be odds though on where Jalen Brunson is going to sign. And if you want to put some money down on the Knicks, or if you're just a horrible pessimist and you want to put some money down on the Mavs, uh, there's only one place in the world to go and do that. And it's betonline.net. They're your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the major league baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Alex, I listened. I did do that. And I wanted to check out uh, NBA championship odds. The Golden State Warriors following their game one win over the Memphis Grizzlies are the favorites at 11 to 5. The Suns are next at 13 to 4. The Milwaukee Bucks next at 9 to 2. The Boston Celtics at 5 to 1. After that game one, I'd be kind of tempted to put some money down on the Bucks, but I, I just think the Celtics are, are too good, where I still think that series is, is pretty much a toss up. 
Um, so I would actually, and this goes against uh, my, my homerific nature, I, I would say to put a little bit of money down on the Suns, just because I think if Devin Booker's at full strength, there's still a very good argument for them being the best team. And if you want a long shot, again, contradicting myself a little bit, the Dallas Mavericks, just because I think Luka is that good. But uh, we wanted to remind you, Bet Online is where the game starts. So head there today to learn more about the trends in action and to fulfill all your betting needs. Um, and we are back on Locked On Knicks. Uh, that was the Jalen Brunson segment. This segment will be the which star do you want segment. Uh, yeah, good good naming, right? Uh, the question comes from the venerable Jordan Bubb, who asked us six really good questions uh, about six. I couldn't, I couldn't even count that high. So sh- big shout out to Jordan. He will be featured heavily in this episode. And follow-up episodes, the handles at Bub Jordan. Go, go throw him a follow for us. He, he's an unofficial Locked On Knicks producer. But Alex, the first thing he wants to know, if you can acquire this player, who would it be? You could have SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Donovan Mitchell, or DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty firmly in the SGA camp out of those three. Um, if I was going to rank them in order, I would say SGA, Mitchell, and then Aiton. Um, I, you know, I, I just think with SGA, you know, we talked about this recently and like, we got called like, Oh, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Whatever. I, I don't, (laughs) I just don't see a world where if SGA becomes available, that Presti is going to be able to take every bit of value out of him. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to be able to like squeeze every bit of value that he can get out of SGA because SGA will probably have had to have asked for a trade at that point um, and be like, look, I'm tired of this tanking crap. Like I want out of here. And that sort of puts the pressure on Presti to get a deal done because his star player is unhappy with being sat and stuff and drives the price down. Uh, versus like a Donovan Mitchell where, you know, if he becomes available, which it's there's rumblings now that there is starting to turn into like a at least from Rudy Gobert's side. I forget who reported it today, to be completely honest. But there was a report out there that said that the Gobert situation is reaching like a him or me point as far as, you know, Gobert versus Donovan Mitchell. Like if you're going to keep Mitchell, trade me. If you're going to keep me, trade Mitchell uh, situation. So if things really do hit a boiling point. And Mitchell becomes available. I feel like Utah has a little more leverage there uh, in that scenario because they could also just as easily deal Gobert. Um, I I don't know. They, they're going to obviously have to make a decision one way or the other as far as those two. DeAndre Ayton, I mean, I guess the, the one advantage here is that you probably only have to execute a sign and trade for him. So the price would be less. But I, as great as DeAndre Ayton is, I just don't see it as far as giving up like a star package for him. I just, I don't see him as like a star level player that I want to be paying like max money to, or even like 30 million. I I honestly would just give Mitchell Robinson like 15 million. And I know there's a lot of things that Deandre Ayton does a lot better than Mitch, but I'd rather just kind of roll with Mitch and Jericho Sims and see where that falls for like a combined 17 million a year or whatever, or even less than spend like 30 million on just Aiden. Um, so, but yeah, SGA, I just think, you know, he's got the length, he's got the defense, he's got the scoring chops, like three level scoring. He didn't shoot as well this year, which I think would actually drive his value down again, like that he, he didn't shoot that well, but I think he struggled to get in a rhythm a bit. Thanks to, you know, being sat as often as he was this year, 
sometimes for valid reasons, sometimes maybe a little more dubious reasons. But um, yeah, I, I just think that he's the way to go. You know, he's cheaper, he's younger, he's got the more prototypical size compared to Mitchell. And I, I think he's the guy that I'd want to go for. Yeah, I've, I have the same answer. Um, slightly different reasoning. I, I was kind of looking at all these guys just in a vacuum. And I, I mean, I think your, your approach was smarter, but I wasn't even thinking about what you'd have to give up for them. And I was just, I, I again, maybe this is too Emmanuel quickly centric, but I was like, all right, if he's, if he's your, your, one of your key young building blocks, which guy fits better with him, which guy fits better with RJ Barrett. And I keep going back to Gildas Alexander. I mean, defensively, I, I think not quickly again, works really hard and has a long wingspan and is, is solid and does some stuff exceptionally well on defense, but putting him in a situation where if he does, hit his ceiling and he's someone that you want on the court all the time. I think it's just untenable to play him and Mitchell 30 something minutes together per game. And it wouldn't be if Mitchell again, played up to his potential defensively, because even though he's only six, one, he's crazy or somewhere between six, one and six, three, he has a crazy, crazy wingspan. He's super strong. And I think him and quickly could just be pests. But as we've seen from Mitchell, he's, at least in Utah, largely been unwilling to play that way defensively or or maybe just unable to. I think sometimes guys get like pegged as low effort players when the reality is that they just don't have the defensive instincts or, or the motor to be as good on that end. It's not really laziness. It's just sort of like who they are as a player. Uh, but I, I just don't have a ton of confidence in, in who Mitchell is on defense. And Gildas Alexander isn't an elite defender, but at six foot six just gives you so much more size there. It's super duper savvy. Um, the one question with SGA is, is who is he as a three point shooter is 41% two years ago, uh, just 30% this season. So there's a little Randall itis there. Um, I choose to believe that he's a little bit better than that. Probably just 35%, 36% guy. And that's good enough with his ability to get to the rim, which again, is as good as anyone in the NBA. And, and he's just, he, he's a really, really talented passer as well. I did think about eight a little bit just because he doesn't take anything off the table, right? He, he's the easiest of any of these guys to slot in. Um, and, and if the Knicks had a more established number one guy, whether it was RJ, whether it was quickly, I think I'd give a little bit more credence to going after Aiton. But when they don't have that bonafide 20 plus point score, that's also highly efficient. I, I, I can't see how you, you don't pick one of the two guards and SGA is the better option of those two guys. Uh, so let's, uh, let's keep it moving. Um, the next question comes from again, Jordan Bub. Um, he wanted to know, um, which Nick will you be mad at if they're on the roster next year? Randall, Noel, Kemba, or Burks? Alex, I'll, I'll toss that over to you. Yeah, so I'll just say him in order again. Uh, in order of who I'd be most upset with still being on the roster. And look, I'll keep this brief because I don't want to make this like a yet another crap on the guys that we don't like that much segment because we did enough of that during the season. And it's, you know, I'm ready to just kind of have some stuff be resolved and, and not talk about them as much. But in order, out of those four, uh, I said Kemba, Noel, Randall, and Burks. My brief reasoning on all of them, uh, Kemba needs to go, honestly, just because, I mean, the, the relationship's beyond repair. You know, he basically, he and the team mutually agreed, you know, to shut him down and just say, okay, it's over with, and we're going to find a way to move on from you this offseason. So if they don't follow through with that, then Kemba is just going to be getting paid to stay home, and that's a waste of a roster spot, and that's the worst possible thing, like, especially considering just getting off like Joakim Noah's money and now having Kemba Walker just sitting at home doing nothing for like $8 million. Not the best. Uh, New Orleans Noel, I mean, I hate to say it, like 
he earned the contract that he got, but ultimately it is a bad contract because all the worst things about Noel came to fruition this year where he was hampered by injuries that led to his defense not being like a plus level and all of his offensive struggles were still on display. Uh, again, I still like Mitch. I would much rather just have Mitch on the team with Sims and roll with that next year, bring Taj back to continue being like Benjamin Button on the bench um, and, you know, bring, giving you some good minutes when guys are hurt or whatever. But, you know, I, I think Noel's got to go for that reason. Randall, I only put above Noel because I think, you know, there is still a chance that the Randall thing could be salvaged. I don't know how likely it is, but maybe this is just the Randall cycle with the Knicks. He has a bad year and then a reflection summer and then a great year and then a, a bad year again. And then maybe this year is another reflection <laughs> summer and then a good year next year. I don't know. Um, he's not up for a new contract for a while. So maybe the reflection years only come before that. I don't know, but there is a chance that that could be salvaged. And he, he has obviously played as an all NBA player recently. So that that's worth trying to salvage. And then Burke's like, Burke's actually a good player, and I like Alec Burks. I don't want him off the team. I just don't want Tibbs to ever play him as a point guard again. So big difference there. But I, I would not be mad at all if they kept Burks. I would just be mad if he continued to be misused, basically. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm on board with you, except I, I would flip Noel and Randall just because I, I think Randall it, – it, I would honestly put Randall ahead of Kemba at this point just because I, I don't think it's, it's tenable uh, – for him to be on the team anymore. And we have discussed that at length. So I don't feel the need to expand on it. I will say very quickly in defense of Nerlens Noel, if they don't re-sign Mitchell Robinson, I don't like relying on Nerlens just because again, he's kind of made of, made of glass and, and that sucks. Like I, I wish it wasn't the case because as we saw two years ago, he's really, really good, especially on the defensive end, uh, only on the defensive end of the floor, but he's really, really good on that end of the floor when he is uh, fully healthy. And and look, and Mitch, Mitch brings you a whole lot of stuff that Nerlens can't replicate, but with Jericho Sims continued growth and, and the ability to go out, whether it's uh, a Bobby Portis or maybe even someone lower cost to go out and sign a third center, um, or if it's just Taj Gibson, I, I don't mind the Knicks not heavily investing that position, given that, uh, again, they don't. I don't think there's any need for them to be great or, or be an exceptionally competitive team next year. So if they ran it back with Nerlens, that wouldn't be my preferred scenario. But if the only alternative is like having to attach draft equity to get off of Nerlens, uh, I, I just think it's it's a lower stakes guy to keep than uh, Kemba or Randall is. And, and yeah, I love Alec Burks. Well, maybe the key to keeping Nerlens healthy next year is going to be to stuff him full of built bars this summer. Uh, and in fact, summer is coming and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations, throw them in your bags and your kids' backpacks, make sure that everyone has a bar. So you're fueled for your summer adventures. My summer adventure is, is finally getting back to the gym. Ironic, right? Like, Right as it starts to get warm, I'm I'm trying to go back to the gym. But I had to I dealt with some injuries earlier this year. I'm finally starting to get back in. And the first thing I did after I got back in the gym the other day and was able to to work out with my upper body again was to eat a built bar because I needed that protein. And I tell you what, I feel pretty darn good today. And I felt pretty darn good while I was eating it too, because the best part about built bars is built bars is that they're healthy and delicious. You don't have to sacrifice having delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both, and it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order now. And that it, all Built Bars and Puffs, spoiler alert, I had a puff. It was very good. Uh, are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. And, uh, you know, I just mentioned the Puffs. Have you tried them yet? They're amazing. They're, they have the consistency of a marshmallow. 
and they're covered in chocolate. It's like eating like a Malamar, but it secretly has 17 grams of protein hidden in it. I, I can't fully explain it. You kind of just have to try it to believe it. They're amazing. Most built bars, also, they don't have a lot of the bad stuff. They contain just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs compared to that, as I mentioned, whopping 17 grams of protein per bar. So go to built.com and you can get all your favorites, banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more, like my favorite, coconut almond. They're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Check them out at built.com. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Gavin, the final segment of our first episode of the mailbag. We have a question from Goonie at Goonies underscore on Twitter. Do you think the Knicks go after a stretch five? And if so, is it in the draft or is it via free agency? What do you think, Gavin? Yeah, well, you I, – I, I'm, I'm looking at our notes here. You listed out a myriad of options, and I, I give you that because I, I just – off the top of my head, I couldn't think of a whole lot of people. Uh, Bobby Portis was the first name that came to my mind, uh, someone I mentioned earlier. I think someone that I will mention in our next episode uh, because he has turned himself in, into just a fantastic shooter this year. I think the question with him is would Tibbs – be tolerable enough of his rim protection to play him as a stretch five. And, th- and that I think is the, is the proverbial fly in the ointment of, of so many of these guys that we can mention is that Tibbs will always be reticent to put offense over defense. And I think at the center position more so than anywhere else on the floor. And because of that, there are very few guys who fit the mold because the, the number of people on earth that can protect the rim at a high level in the NBA and also hit jumpers it's like one hand, maybe two. In the draft, I think Chet Holmgren, or Chet Holmgren is, is the only person who fits that descriptor. Um, and in free agency, it's DeAndre Ayton, who's a restricted free agent. And I, I think, uh, as we've described in the past, probably a pipe dream for the Knicks. And beyond that, you talk about guys like Joel Embiid and, and just the elites of the elites. So it, it's not something that I think Tibbs prioritizes. And in turn, I don't think it's exceptionally likely Bobby Portis would would be the most likely option in my mind for someone who is, is a pretty solid defender and, and a high, really high level three point shooter. Yeah, I, as far as like, do I think the Knicks will go after a stretch five? I mean, it all depends on circumstance, right? Like this question only asks about draft and free agency. I think there's a, a very, I won't say likely, but a very possible scenario that they would go after a guy like a Miles Turner, where Indiana is going to continue, you know, fire sailing. Probably. I think Brogdon's name has come up a number of times. You know, Turner might finally become available, that sort of thing. Uh, and, you know, if they can get a guy like that, I think they certainly will. Uh, but that's not the question asked. The question specifically says draft or free agency. In the draft, I mean, <laughs> I think kind of if they want to get a, a, a really good stretch big in the draft, they're going to have to move into the top four, um, probably the top three. And you'd have to get either Chet Holmgren or. Uh, Jabari Smith so that's not super likely Um, then looking at potential stretch big candidates going down the draft like I feel like that's often a position where there's a a lot of good projects in the draft especially in like the late lotto and the and the you know the late first round and stuff like that I feel like this year it's kind of more about wings like just it's it's ironic like the top of the draft has three bigs 
you know, headlining the class. But then beyond that, it's very much a wing class this year. It seems like, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of wings, a lot of guards, you know, that sort of thing, but not point guards. Like it's, it's just very wing specific, um, which is, is kind of weird because that's not usually the case, but like, you know, just looking through some names, guys, they could potentially take a stab at if they want to try to get like an early second round pick or maybe try to buy their way into like a late first. Uh, Nikola Jovic is like more of a small forward, power forward type from what I can tell. I haven't done a ton of work on him yet, but I mean, he, he's definitely a shooter and that's like his calling card. Uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. was like a really highly regarded prospect coming into this year, but had like a really like like really bad freshman year, like sub 36% shooting from the floor. And I think like sub like 28% from three or something like that. So big time project, but like a guy who had a lot of promise and who had some like shooting potential coming into the year. Maybe that's a guy you, you roll the dice on is sort of, again, like a more of a three, four hybrid. Um, and then I guess like, I don't know, like drew Timmy, if you want to buy like a second round pick and just get a guy who's like strictly a shooter. Um, Cause I, I, I think, well, I mean, Timmy has some post-scoring ability too, uh, out of Gonzaga, but you know he can't defend. He's not gonna be able to defend an NBA level, I don't think, at least not very well. So I mean, it's it's like that's not much of a Tibbs player, so I can't really see them going for him. Maybe Tari Eason around the mid first. I I'm pretty well on record is really liking Eason. He's again, you know, I think more of like strictly a four, maybe some small ball five. Um, but it has displayed some rim protection and stuff and also has, I think he shot like 36, 37% from three this year. So there is some shooting potential there, but like the free agent class, I think is definitely where you're going to find, like if you want to establish stretch big and not like sort of a project that is going to take some time to crack the rotation, especially under Tibbs, like you've got like Thaddeus Young, uh, Robert Covington, Jeff Green, who's like immortal, um, Chris Boucher, if you want someone who's a little more on the younger side, but st- I think he's still like 28, 29 years old because he came into the league pretty late. As you said, Gavin, Bobby Portis. There's one Carmelo Anthony who might become available again. You never know. I mean, maybe this is finally that year that that reunion happens. Or like if you want to go real swing for the fences, you could go for like a Mo Bamba or a Bull Bull, someone like that. Although Bull has so many injury issues that that's a pretty tough sell, but the, the skills are there. Uh, and Mo Bamba has definitely showed the ability to knock down a three. So, you know, I, I just think free agency is going to be the way to go. If you want to stretch big this year, if you get one in the, in the draft, they're going to be more of like a tweener, I think, which is fine. I, I think tweeners are very valuable in today's NBA, but I, I just think that if the Knicks are going to go that direction, that they're probably better served trying to address it in free agency rather than through the draft. Yeah, or, or through internal growth. I mean, maybe maybe Obi yeah. Toppin's that guy next year. I mean, o- Obi was looking like a stretch big late in this year. So, yeah, I mean, maybe this is assuming, like, if Randall's gone and Obi's your starter anyway. But, yeah, Obi definitely was profiling as a stretch big late in the year. Like, his three-point shot looked amazing. So, maybe it is him. Yeah. Or maybe, uh, yeah. maybe it's Jericho Sims. <laughs> You know what? I, I can't top that. That's it for this edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back with some fantastic guests uh, throughout the week and uh, some more mailbag for you guys. So stay tuned. But until next time, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. Peace out.